And we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction and the super in superhero. I have that on absolute 100% permanent authority from the man on high, God of all things comic Stanley. He called me yesterday, no, no lie. I wouldn't lie to you about something so serious, people. That long distance charge must be horrible. Oh yeah, I, I shuddered a thing. I'm glad we like 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 borrowed our, our neighbor's connection so she's gonna get stuck with the bill. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but you know, it was important, all right? It was that took the call. All right. So with that being said, uh, Mr. Brene Garza, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers, please? Hi, guys. I'm Brene Garza. I'm a writer and co-owner of Apogee Comics. Oh, there's them. <laughs> nice to meet everybody. All right. He likes long walks on the beach. Coffee as dark as his soul. Exactly. On a regular basis. Wait, that was the after show. We weren't supposed to say that part out loud. <laughs> Dang it, you can't take me anywhere, Stabby. <laughs> All right, so the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is uh, is Nick is going to tell us how he found this guy. Uh, well, I was at a comic convention, and he somehow got away from his owner, and he was so adorable, and I had to take him home with me. And No, that's not <laughs> But it did happen at a comic convention. Um, it was, I think it was the first South Texas Comic Con. Um, like, yeah, like yeah. 2016. Yeah. 2016, 2015, somewhere around there. No, 2014. Wow, it was a while ago. So I've known the cat a long time. Um, he showed up to uh, my my booth, and he's like, hey, I'm an aspiring writer, and uh, I'd like to stay in contact with you and improve my, my craft or how to get into comic books, making comic books. And I'm like, so we exchanged numbers and started hanging out, and He's been with me through most of well, the latter part of my um, comic book journey. So, and he's he's a phenomenal writer. He's phenomenal hype man. I, he uh, he's been doing these uh, like commercials for us on uh, on Instagram, and they're awesome, you know. So, and he came up with a tagline, you know, "Make your next book apogee," and I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant." Um, so, yeah, that's how I met him, and that's how and we've been friends since. Oh, shit, almost 10 years now. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> okay. It's been a fun ride. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so do we want to tell them the news yet, Nick? About our first, oh, very first sponsorship? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I think now's a good time. So, we, um, we will, I, I wish I had some really cool graphics, but you know, I wasn't prepared. So we, uh, we found a sponsorship cause we were like addicted to coffee. So there's a coffee company that's apolitical, which we dig, uh, because you get preached at enough on social media called coffee brand coffee. Uh, Jeremy over at the quartering started the company to, uh, to give creators a way to get out from under the YouTube microscope and just, you know, be able to talk about whatever they wanted. Um, so we signed up, but we decided before we were going to, uh, we were going to hype that stuff. We we're going to try it ourselves because the last thing we wanted to do was shill garbage your way. So we ordered some, uh, Stabby ordered some for, for the Garber household. And, uh, it is not yet arrived It's shipping from Arizona, I believe. So what did you guys order Stabby? 
Well, we ordered the bourbon flavored medium roast. All right. Because, and I, I mean, <laughs> that sounds delicious. So uh, I actually ordered some. I tried the s'mores coffee and it came in uh, on Friday. And I added just a little bit of French vanilla cream to it. And I literally felt like I was drinking a s'mores. Uh, and for half the cup of what I would spend if I bought the equivalent frou-frou nonsense from uh, Starbucks, I, I, guess, I can make myself. And it has half the calories because the only calories you're getting in coffee is the creamer. Uh, and I've talked about the uh, the coffee craftologist lady who gave me the recipe for a creamer. And so literally like 300 calories a cup with my creamer which is half of what a Starbucks of the equivalent amount would be. So it's delicious. So we will show for it. We will link to it. Um, the way it works is you click the link. If you decide to buy anything, it doesn't matter if it's the brand we link to. If you use that link to then buy anything, we get a, we get a little bit of a kickback. I think it's like 5% they, they throw our way. And so uh, by buying coffee, you would otherwise buy and supporting independent roaster you help us. And unlike some of these places that they do what they call drop shipping, which is one giant roaster will sell the same coffee to three different companies, slap different labels on it. And so you're not actually getting the company roasting it. This is actually like Jeremy actually started a roasting house. So they're actually roasting it themselves, which is, uh, which is kind of commendable. We need competition for the Starbucks out there. Uh, and it's nice to shop with people who don't hate me. So that's always a plus. That's so the yeah. yeah, the next time we show for them, I will have some cool graphics. And uh, if you look in the show notes, there will be a link that you can click on. Um, but we didn't prepare it with the discount code. We did not prepare for this in this episode, but I literally just finished as we were prepping for the show, the coffee from them. And it was so delicious. I'm like, dude, let's pull the trigger. Let's announce it's fresh it. on his tongue. Fresh on it his is. tongue. I'm, like, I'm thinking if I skip dinner, I can have another cup. Decisions. I know. <laughs> I made myself nachos for lunch and I'm like, you know, I know what they are when I get them from like the local Mexican restaurant. It can't be that bad. So I measured the amount of chips, threw them on a, on the, um, the cookie sheet, threw some cheese on top that I measured out. And I, once I was done, I entered it and I'm like, holy garbage. Okay. I'm not eating nachos again, but it was delicious. But so now I got to cut back at dinner, which means it's like, because of the calories, it's like, do I want coffee or do I want like oatmeal to eat dinner? I don't know. Well, it's, it's a tough one call. Friday. I've had to do that. To make yeah, but I mean, the coffee yeah. was so good. I felt like dessert was dancing on my tongue. Have another cup, bro. I know, right? I can eat tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow's a new day of calories. That's right. That's right. All right. So since we're speaking of all things new and awesome, this is the first time Renee's been on the show. So he gets to answer the religion questions. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah, sure. All <laughs> right, sir. Starbucks, Starbucks, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Star Wars. <laughs> All right, that's an excellent answer. Why? Huh? Pardon? Why, why is it Star Wars for you? Star Wars. Well, I grew up on Star Wars and pretty much the way the story's told and whatnot. I'm a big bounty hunter fan as, as well. You know, I'm a big Boba Fett fan ever since uh, like he came out in, uh, you know, The Empire Strikes Back, which is my favorite one. Um, even up to Return of the Jedi, even when they did their show, which I felt they should have done a lot better on his own show. But yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a big Star Wars fan ever since I was I was a little kid. <laughs> okay, that's an acceptable answer. Uh, did you discover through the movies, the books, the cartoons? The movies. The movies. <laughs> All right, that's a good answer. Uh, yeah. Did you read any of the books? Man, I, actually, I used to dig those. Actually, I started reading, I started reading the, the Thrawn 
the the Thrawn trilogy, and I discovered the the, the Thrawn original and Legends, so I can't wait to start on those. I, I I became a big fan of that character too. Yeah, he's ruthless. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get okay. to that one. <laughs> oh, and um, so when you go to the coffee brand coffee and your the link code for us because Nick and I are nothing if not creative, it is podcast grunts, plural because there's two of us. That is how awesomely creative we are. And it gets you well, on like, my order. It got me two percent off. Was it two or what? is it? It's ten percent right now. It's five normally. It's two dollars, Nick. Not two dollars. That's what it was. Two dollars. Took two dollars off. Yeah. So uh, if I order was, more, I'd save more. Yes. Uh, and if uh, did you rush the shipping? I don't know if that makes a difference. Uh, I did. I did standard shipping. Okay. I did too. Uh, and they were actually pretty quick. I imagine because they're coming from Arizona. I imagine. It's uh, it's quicker if you're in California than that is their logo. They're nothing if not simple, which I dig. I mean, they could probably hire an artist we know. Uh, that Apogee Comics could probably make them some kick-ass art to brand themselves with. Oh yeah, yeah. But do, they, um, uh, they do K pods. They do tea. They do hot chocolate. Oh, so if it. you're not a coffee person, they do have other options as well. Oh, as they say in. South Texas, they have chingos of options. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know what any of that means, but I'll smile and nod with the best of them. It's a way for us to swear and not have, and it's still a family friendly show. <laughs> I know what y'all are saying. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, this is where I smile and nod and we just move on. All right. So uh, the next question because I did tell you there was there was a wrong answer here. Uh, so the next question is, all right, you ready for this, sir? Because we are polytheistic. Okay. All righty. You've got Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, or The Wheel of Time. Mm. Well, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan because of the books. Yeah, as a kid, um, I had finished uh, reading, I guess, Goosebumps. I had finished the whole series. And I wanted to expand my, you know, repertoire of reading books. And then I saw The Hobbit, so I started reading that one. And I don't know, I became, I fell in love with the with the series. And I'm like, there's more of these, so like, yeah, I became a big fan of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. So speaking of speaking of goosebumps, I don't know who who did it, but um, they they. No, no, no. I think Disney was going to make it and they did a remake of it and they got, you know, the people our age who would have watched it out of nostalgia to watch the movie in a fan testing where they pay them to watch it. It was so bad. They walked out of it even and refused the payment. It was so bad. They didn't want to wait for the whole thing just for the free money. Oh, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah. I saw that being reported. I haven't found that verified, but it doesn't surprise me with modern TV that it would be that bad. There was an older show of it. Um, I remember seeing the nineties Nickelodeon had it. And the yeah. one, yeah, nineties. I remember watching that. And then the other one is uh, apparently the Disney is actually doing one that looks good. They're doing a a re version of the Percy Jackson. They did the one time movie, then it just nothing happened with it. They're starting back from book one with the Lightning Thief, and they're going to do a series on Disney starting in December. That actually looks promising. Um, and according to the commercial I saw on the YouTube's, uh, they were staying out of politics, which is cool. Let's see if they honor that promise, because, you know. They didn't. Have you seen it? No, I've read multiple articles on how they have uh, wanted to add more diversity. So a lot of... I mean, the, the characters uh, were already pretty diverse in the books. 
Yeah, but we're talking like some major ones that they're like, mm, and they do what Disney does. It's like, oh, we'll just change the race instead of making them like, oh, well, maybe they're a demigod with, you know, and these are their parents or whatever. Instead of taking a little bit more creative approaches to it, they're like, nah, we'll just switch a race of a couple of them. That'll be fine. That is that is disheartening because, like you said, the, the series was already pretty um, pretty diverse, so it didn't really need anything to make it fit the modern zeitgeist. Well, it wasn't enough that it was like there wasn't enough. It are, the, the diversity in there is like the different mythological races you had. Well, no, because they had like uh, Percy Jackson's um, mentor, not one mentor, um, the person that sort of monitored him from afar before his powers came to him was a, um, I think a centaur. Or no, it was the part goat. Yeah. What are the part goats? Oh. Yep. Part goats, a, cent- um, a satyr. Seder, yeah, the Seder was was already a black guy in the books. I'm pretty sure. So I mean, it wasn't yeah. like they had to change races to get things. I mean, they they already had diversity. Um, well, now it's time to change the human characters or the human eh, whatever. like characters. I'm like whatever, that's fine. If the story's still so good and it's not too bad, I'll still probably watch it. But all right, so since we are sponsored by a company that also makes uh, tea as well, uh, there is a there is no wrong answer anymore. Not with us. Because we're nothing if not shameless capitalists. So, uh, but we are civilized and no longer knuckle dragging troglodytes. So, sir, coffee, tea, and how do you take it? Uh, coffee, black, like life. <laughs> <laughs> you must have just paid uh, your taxes, sir. Well, that's awesome. I'm using that. I, I like it. Normally, it's black, like my soul, um, or, or like my crushed dreams. But you know, like life, I. I'm going to take that. I'll probably steal it and say it was my own. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but if you, you'll know where it really came from. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, sir. Now that we got that out of the way. So uh, we brought you here to uh, to talk about certain comics. So first, um, you've got the crowdfunding. I almost said Kickstarter, but you're going with Fund My Comics, which is an yep. alternative. What's the difference between Fund My Comics and Kickstarter? The difference is, is um, one, it was created by a artist himself, an indie comic creator, Luke Stone. Um, he's the one that created it because Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they like to uh, throttle your, uh, your campaigns if they don't agree with it politically or whatever. Um, or whatever reason they choose to, they'll, they won't showcase it. It'll be hard to find. Um, and each one of those services, I think Kickstarter takes 10% of the top of whatever you make, and Indiegogo takes five. And with uh, Fun My Comic, they only take three. They only take 3% okay. of what you make. So um, it's a, it was a crowdfunding site from an artist for artists. And uh, the, the interface is super easy to use, too. So, um, so far, I'm, I'm really enjoying it as a platform. Okay. So how did you find it? I was on Twitter and Luke Stone was, you know, pimping his stuff. Um, and he put, and he's really good at um, sharing your campaigns. So it's like, Hey, we just, and he'll put it on his podcast. He's like, Hey, this just launched today. Like we were just um, featured for like the last 10 minutes of his show on Thursday on his YouTube channel where he just, he talked about the, the campaign, went over everything. He goes, man, this Nick Garber guy has got a unique style. And I'm like, man, I hope that's a good thing. Um, 
they like the rewards, the price point that we put, uh, the video they they all like. They they kind of made fun of it a little bit because it, it's like, man, it needs like the uh, the movie trailer guy, like one man, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but they were overall positive. They gave it a good shout out and where to find it. Um, so that's how I ended up finding. It. I found it on Twitter, and I probably saw some of his his links on Facebook also because we all follow each other. Okay. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's first start start with you know we're we're doing a crowdfunding for uh, Bengali episode three. Uh, no, hold on, yours, not mine. There we go. Uh, we're doing a crowdfunding for Bengali episode three, but uh, before we can talk about episode three, let's talk about Bengali period. So uh, what can you t- tell me about that? Uh, this Bengali character and then like, just, just tell us about the, the world and, and go, we'll go from there. Oh, that's me? you, Renee. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah you're the writer, bro. Got to crack a little bit. <laughs> well, Bengali is about a man named Benito Vasquez. He was a down to earth guy, you know, just living his life. Until he got a, a call saying that his father's company belongs to him. And that didn't sit right with his half-brother, which wanted the company for him. So he set a hit out on him and leaving him you know, close to death, a uh, disembodied voice called out to him. Tell him, I, I can save you, but you're going to have to be my avatar of darkness. But in doing so, it came at a price. He was going to have to lose his humanity. But the only thing that made him whole and as a good person were memories of his mother. So he refused to give that up and broke the hole that the mask had. And now he con- c- continuing the the dark, the power of darkness from the mask. He takes to the streets of San Diego to find out who was the one responsible because he doesn't know that it was his brother that set the hit out on him. And he became the demon of San Diego, Bengali. Okay, so does the demon of San Diego imply that he's a bad guy? No, he's he's using the power of the mask to do good, but at the same time, the line between good and evil starts getting blurred, and he starts being more aggressive the more that he uses the mask and the power. So does it change him, or does he just get more confident? It slowly mm-hmm. change him. It slowly starts. Yeah, to you're going to have to read the series to find out, dear listener. Okay. Okay. So um, the, for the, the overall start, question, mm-hmm. go ahead, Nick. The, the question that we kind of asked ourselves at the when we were um, having our writing meetings is, mm-hmm. um, we've heard tons of stories of you know darkness or evil corrupting good, but we're like, but what if the guy is so good that he starts corrupting the evil? That's another. You know? That's <laughs> and uh, so it. it the more time we spend on this guy, it's like it's going to be a constant tug of war, you know, for Benny Benito's soul and um, Bengali's soul, because Bengali's starting to figure out, man, this uh, this light thing is pretty freaking powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's stronger than darkness, and he's like, and I'm an old god, so I'm pretty powerful. But the stuff that the light touched, it's like, I don't know, man. I may not win, but I'm going to try my best. So really the first stage is the mask plays along, you know, because uh, the mask just wants to create havoc and chaos and terror and fear. To bring and back the darkness. <laughs> to bring back the darkness who will be, the darkness actually has a name. We'll reveal that. I think that's revealed in this uh, 
in this episode, this issue. So it's, it's a constant struggle. It's fun to watch. Um, it's fun to read because uh, I, I, I get to read everything that comes across my desk for Apogee. So I, I get that information. I'm able to get those, you know, ask those questions of my writers and be like, all right, so where are we going with this? And then they'll tell me, and I'm like, that's effed up. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I jump ahead like eight issues when I'm like <laughs> pitching ideas and, <laughs> and we're like storyboarding. <laughs> all right, so all right, so let's let's back up a second before we you know we dive too deeply into Bengali. Um, how did you guys get into comics? Because you know one of the things we ask is. Why comics? Why not novels? Why not independent films or, or any of the other ways you can tell a story? What is it about comics that draws you guys in? And this is for you, Nick and uh, Renee. Renee, you want to take this one first? Oh, okay. Well, what got me into comic books was, I would have to say my cousins. <laughs> Growing up, we would always hang out together. They're like my brothers. I was like more than cousins, we're actually brothers. And we would always go to the comic book shop and me, I was always big fan of Spider-Man and Venom and Spawn. Um, I would start reading the issues, and I just fell in love with them. You know, I fell in love with uh, reading in general. Um, when it comes to writing, I always I always enjoyed writing, especially books and whatnot. Um, my father and like my sister, they can illustrate, and well, I can't draw for beans. So, <laughs> so I so I started writing what I wanted to draw, and from there, I just got really into it. And yeah, I just started writing. <laughs> Okay. What about you, Nick? Um, I think I was uh, molded at a very early age. Um, I remember um, my dad had painted like Batman, Superman, Shazam, and Spider-Man right next to my crib. And uh, so that's all I had to stare at, you know, as a baby until I could finally get out of the crib by myself. Um, then they, I watched a whole bunch of episodes. I don't know how, if they were on tape or whatnot, but I just remember watching a bunch of the adventures of Superman with George Reeves. So, and then Batman 66. And I was like, man, these guys are cool. And then when I was able to read, um, went down to one of the drugstores, had a spinner rack of comic books. I picked a few up, uh, cause comics were cheap back then. And I just started reading them. And I was like, the first one I picked up was uh, an issue of daredevil. So that's how I fell in love with Daredevil. Um, and I just, I've been hooked ever since. And then I was already kind of, I remember being able to draw or I was drawing since I could pick up a crayon and I just kept getting better and I kept getting better probably because I was very interested in, in comic book art and just kept progressing in that and increasing my skills. And, you know, um, I made friends that way because I'd just be there doodling class like, hey, man, are you drawing the Ninja Turtles? You know, because they were big at the time. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, man, cool. Can I watch you draw? And I'm like, all right, weirdo. But uh, the years went by, uh, even in the Army. My ability to draw made me friends and got me uh, got me some decent treatment from my not only my peers, but also my superiors because they like, hey, Garber, what are you doing right now? Uh, waiting on orders, aren't? He's like, come on over here. They, we got an art project for you. And I'm like, is that all I'm doing or do I got to do this too? And he's like, no, no, no. You don't have to mop the floors. You don't have to buff the floors. You're off those duties for a while until you get this drawing done. I'm like, okay. So, and I would make little comics while we were on deployment. Um, even when we were, you know, all the way up until Iraq. 
I was just constantly drawing and it entertained people. And I like doing, I like the, the feeling that it gave me. And so here we are years later and I'm, I'm making comic books. So what made you both decide that independent was the route to go as opposed to like trying to get picked up with DC or Marvel or image? Is that still a thing? I know it used to be pretty big. It is. Um, I got tired of getting rejection letters. So after about like my 20th one from Marvel and DC, I was like, I think I'm just going to go on my own because I got this story that I want to tell. And that's what was with Phantom Hawk. That was the first character that I created. Um, I had a story to tell, especially after coming back from Iraq. You know, it was a lot of homage to uh, to the guys I served with and those that came home and those that didn't and those that only kind of came home. So yeah, I got tired of getting rejection letters and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start my own. I'm, I'm going to make my own comic book and I'll find a way to publish it myself. Okay. What about you, Renee? Me? Well, I've always been a big comic book fan and I, I, I always wanted to you know, write comic books. And um, I guess I always wanted to tell my own stories, tell some some of my own stories. And I felt uh, indie's the best way to go about that. If to like you know tell the tale that you want to tell and that's what i really like love about independent comic books because you see the rawness and like the true story of someone that put in their you know put in their time and their work and yeah that's why that's why i enjoy i so i enjoy being in the independent comic book creator <laughs> okay instead of writing in someone else's ip you like the idea of making your own yeah yeah is that hard to do in the major studios? They want you to do a lot more of the existing franchises. I feel that they saw they want you to write a certain pattern, and you're kind of like you can't go off on your own story. You can tell your own story, but to a certain limit. Okay. Or like you know, with your hands bound tight, that you can, you know, write the story that you want to tell, especially with those characters that you know you grew up with, like you know, your own Spider-Man or X-Men, your own tale that you want to tell, you know. They tell you, oh, we wanted this certain way because of this certain route, and you know, you know, and then they involve other, you know, politics within it. You know, like all oh, these people, these investors, they want it this way and whatnot. And then from there, you can't really like tell the, to- the story that you want to tell. So I feel in- with indie, you can tell the story that you want to tell. Yeah, I-, I do know at least with the on the writing side, some of the trad pub would say some of the niche markets where people are making a killing are too niche for them because of their overhead. So I imagine there's some of that. Like I don't know if you want to tell Sparkle Fairy you know, horse puppies or something weird. Like I, I don't imagine the major companies picking that up, but maybe you'll find an audience on the independent side. That was the most random combination of weirdness I could put together and watch Nick's like, actually someone already did that. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, usually when you pitch something like that to, to the bigger companies, that it, you got to look at it like kind of like a, a major league sport or a professional sport. So you got the pro side and then you got like layers of um, semi-pro. So with Sparkle Girl Horse Puppies, one of our subsidiary companies, like, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but one of the subsidiary comes like, well, we kind of really geared that towards children, you know, ages, you know, three to eight, you know, so maybe it'll work there. So we'll give you a go there, which isn't a huge market, you know, because they're just looking at the pictures going, go, 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 go. And uh, Lisa Frank. The hell's yes. <laughs> those were big trapper keepers back in the day. Sparkle if you know, you know. Is that how oh, Sparkle Puppy Fairy Horse? That is that like the yeah. multicolored 
right? Yeah, the the like the, the, the bright colored trapper keepers that all the girls have, like the Pegasus unicorn thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, if anybody out there in podcast land, um, if you've actually written Sparkle Girl horse puppies, you get like to come on the show. Like, we'll jump whatever we're doing. Like, we'll we'll make that a priority, and it'll air the next day. Special episode. We will talk about it. Absolutely, it's a conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's story. <laughs> Renee's like, I got you tomorrow. I'll draw that. <laughs> I'm going to write that story. Right. He's going to talk me into drawing it too. <laughs> a post-apocalyptic world where mutants. Are like <laughs> I actually, they, there's somebody I know that was dared to write. Um, Will Frisbee and uh, I can't remember who he did it, wrote it with. I actually took basically space Marines and my little ponies and merged them together. So space Marine ponies as a joke. Oh, well. Got really gritty and did okay sales wise. I'm just like, oh wow! You can you can merge a lot of things, and sometimes people will be there for it just because of the shock value. <laughs> so, aspiring writers and artists, there's a market for everybody, as we've just told you. <laughs> I mean, some I can't remember, but there are some of the more um, popular franchises are because someone dared an author to do something. Like uh, one of them was like Roman Legions. And like something else merged together. Um, trying to blank. It's a comic one. Everyone or common one. Everyone uses. Yeah, whatever. I will remember it. We'll talk about it in another episode. But and that's um, how Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein because she went to a dinner party and the dessert was like opium tea or something like that. Oh. And they they all just started throwing ideas out like like a creative meeting. And <laughs> she went home and started writing Frankenstein. As the story goes, I don't know how true that is. Wow. Okay, it was uh, first hearing of it. I hope that is true. <laughs> I want to say it was like Roman legions and something along the lines of like Pikachu or something weird like Pikachu, that. Like, like, like a, like an anime type, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. remember what it was, but it was along those lines, and it was one of the more popular artists or authors out there. But and he was in a forum, and they they told him like, oh, he was. The argument was. It's the uh, craft matters more than the story. Like you got to be able to tell the story well. It's not the right. ideas that matter. And he's, they were like, well, you couldn't do this and make it sell, and he made it a bestseller. It's like bet. <laughs> yeah. So it's on those lines. So the point is, is if you tell it well, people will go there for your Sparkle Girl horse puppies. Absolutely, I, I agree with that. All right. So before we dive too deeply into your your crowdfunding and the Bengali, what what we're doing with this, I'm going to show the commercial that is. For this episode, the actual franchise. But for you listening, uh, Nick has yet to do the voiceover work because the movie trailer voice guy was like, you know, you got to pay me a million dollars an hour. And Nick was like, I don't have a million dollars. And so he's like, I'm just going to have to record it myself. But then he's got to figure out how to make that work. It's it's a thing, people. I guess I could do it while it's playing. Was that a thing? I, I, I am not the tech savvy one here, people. Okay. That's what we have Stabby oh, for. She does the technology. We'll, we'll We'll figure that out. All right. And with that, we're going to throw that commercial up there.
All right. That music. that music gives me goosebumps, man. So this is proof that, that there are, there's weirdness out there for everyone. Hold on. Stabby found this on the internet in the five seconds that commercial played. But you ready for this? We have. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to zoom up. Penny the Puppy Fairy Animals. See, we've already almost there. <laughs> Misty Wood. I want to turn that into a horror thing now. <laughs> yeah, um, what they like they did with Winnie the Pooh and Blood Honey. Oh yeah, slasher fic. Yeah, I get to Sparkle Puppy Fairy Horse. It's close enough. Yeah, but it's close. All right, so we're we're now that we've talked about weirdness, and if you know what I'm referring to, dear listener, uh, be sure to put it in the comment section when it comes up, because like it's gonna bug me that I can't remember that story. It's one I heard years ago when I was first started writing. Um, so so be sure to reach out if you know what I was like talking around in circles about and maybe like you can put us back on the track. But until then, we're going to talk about Bengali because that's way cooler than my bad memory. The Demon so, of San Diego. All right. So tell us what's going on with this Kickstarter. Uh, excuse me. With this crowdfunding, this fund of my comic. And we'll like, what it, the Jared. levels we'll are. Okay. Uh, well, let's dive into it. So... Um, it's a pretty user-friendly interface as far as like seeing what's there. It also has um, featured the uh, the trailer that you just shown. Um, it'll tell you how many backers we got and all that stuff. Um, I also put some uh, sample pages in there from the comic, you know, so you can kind of get a look at the artwork. Uh, nothing makes me more angry than when I get a comic book. The cover is amazing, and then the uh, artwork inside is. Uh, not as good so garbage yeah hot garbage but we don't have that problem with bengali issue three because the i think the interior artwork is just as good if some of the pages are stuff i i, I think i would have had a challenge with i think rich did a really good job with that but going into the uh the rewards we have uh, digital and physical copies available um like i said this is issue three so people have issues one and two but definitely issue one so uh, the first reward is the $5 digital copy, um, and that will be, as soon as the campaign ends, those that back that, they'll get it within 24 hours because it's already put together. Um, and then getting into the physical rewards, you get a, a Bengali Issue 3 physical reward. Uh, that's $10, and we've had four backers for that. Um, then we have the digital catch-up, and that kind of me, part of me wanted to spell it like the condiment ketchup because I thought it'd be funny um, where you're going to get all three issues of Bengali in digital format and you'll get those within 24 hours after the campaign ends. Um, and then going into the physical ketchup for guys that still like to hold uh, comic books in their hands, uh, all three physical issues um, are up for grabs with that reward. Um, should probably change it to where if you want it signed or not. Um, but that's that's another thing. And then we're working on put because it's those three issues is the the first story arc, right, Renee? Uh yes, it's the first story. For Bengali. Arc. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it ends kind of in a cliffhanger, which I dig. Um, so we're offering a trade paperback, which is all three issues put together in like a hardbound book. Nah, not really hardbound, but uh, that would be cool though. Well, you almost like a paperback. Um, so it's got like a thicker spine. It's got, uh, we're going to put new artwork on there. I'm talking to the artist now. Uh, to, he's going to get working on that. And then as soon as that's available, I'll update the campaign of what the cover is going to look like, at least the, uh, the pencils. So that's for 30 bucks for an extra five bucks. You're getting 
a thicker, more durable book instead of three floppies or single issues. You get it all kind of contained. I like clean, collecting trade paperbacks. I think that's cool and it saves me time because sometimes I'm, it's a five issue arc and somehow for some reason I can't find issue four. It was like the most popular book in that series. So it's like, it's hard to find. It's kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, moving on to the second page here. All right, so now we offer a t-shirt. And with that, you'll get a t-shirt and a copy of the book. Um, and the t-shirt has the uh, the front cover of the comic. I just kind of took away all the, the other stuff. I just left the, the masthead and the artwork in there. And you can select your size. We haven't had any backers on that one yet. Usually that one's pretty popular. And then this is our biggest tier, our most expensive tier. Um, it's a custom 11 by 17 drawing, which is... Big comic book sheets that we work on. Um, get a custom drawing by me, Nick Garber. Um, and then I'll draw you whatever you want. Uh, as long as you're not his wife. I try you things all the time. Not That is nonsense. Uh, you get, I'll do up to three characters with a simple background. And then I posted some examples below. Uh, drawing, I did a swamp thing. Um, custom cover I did for a Phantom Hawk book that has a uh, black shroud and Corvid in there once we get her book going. So, and then uh, this was the cover for uh, issue two of Bengali and the color version just turned out amazing too. Um, and so those are all the, uh, the rewards that we're offering. And, and as I think of them, I have the ability to edit and add them and just like, Hey, a new tier has been unlocked, you know? Things like that. I guess a little bit of information to the company and where we're located. So, so cool. for, for people that aren't familiar uh, with indie comics, what would you compare Bengali to if they only know the, the trad pub DC Marvel image stuff? Um, I'd say if you're a fan of comic books like Spawn, uh, Venom, um, Haunt from Image Comics. Also, um, I think you'll you'll really enjoy this series. Um, it's kind of how I get people to the table and how Renee does it too. Um, mm -hmm. See someone walking by with a Spawn T-shirt or a Venom T-shirt. Like, hey, uh, is that your favorite character? Hey, I got something similar to that. Uh, you know, if you enjoy that book, I think you'd enjoy this too. And then we give them the pitch. Usually, about nine times out of ten, they're walking away with a Bengali comic in their hand. So what age range would the story be since we've talked about comics and some are designed for kids and some aren't? What would you would rate? Probably young adult, uh, young reader. Um, it's really an all ages book. I mean, there's no swearing in it. There's no nudity. Um, I think the only thing is probably superhero violence and a little bit of blood. Yeah. Like that's it. Like even the gore, like you have uh Basilix, one of the villains in the, um, in the comic, he punches through a, de uh, a person's head, but it's still, it's not graphic other than showing an arm going through a guy's head, but it's not even drawn in a uh, super graphic way. Yeah. Okay. Well, while you're talking, I'm showing people some close-ups that you couldn't do with the way you were sharing. Get you um, a little bit of Spider-Man vibes too. Yeah. Uh, I guess with his build, um, I, always overbuild characters as far as like um, their physical way. 
So like when I draw, I've had to teach myself how to draw Bengali the way he was intended, which is more of a, uh, like a, a Spider-Man build, a athletic gymnast type build. So I'm looking on the picture that's on the screen, which has him look like he's maybe flying. So it looks like there's echoes of something over here in the top. Um, is that, is there, is that reflecting on the glass? Is there a reason for this? Uh, it was a blur effect I put on the cover. Okay. Um, it's one of the powers he's going to develop through the series. And I'll give you guys a little bit of a little insider peek, a little spoiler. Um, he'll develop this power called void pools where he's able to essentially build a, a dark wormhole from where he's at to what he, to where he wants to go. It has to be within a visual range. So for now. And so with these void pools, it kind of creates a, a shimmer, uh, a vibration type shimmer um, as he deploys the void pool and hops through it. So, cause it's altering reality in a sense. Yeah. So what other powers does he have as of issue one? Cause obviously you want them to read for the journey. Yeah. Uh, the basic things that we show him in issue one and two, um, I don't think we introduce new powers in three, but he has these tendrils that pop out of essentially the suit. So when he puts the mask on the suit deploys from the mask and encompasses his body. Yeah. Um, kind of like a, a skin for the actual Bengali entity that's trapped in the mask. So he's able to make edged weapons, tendrils. He has, I hate using the term super strength, but he, he is definitely stronger than your average peak human. Yeah. Um, he has very quick reflexes. Um, he doesn't have like a spider sense or anything like that, but the tendrils can, when they're extended, can sense danger. So the tendrils actually have to be deployed out of his body and they kind of act like a snake's tongue, you know, where they gather a whole bunch of information to make him faster. So it's, he does have fast reflexes, but it's because he's kind of getting a little precognition of what's about to happen through those tendrils. Okay. So what, um, when you first started, um, Renee, we'll put the, the screen of you guys back up. When you first started with the idea of Bengali, what was the power that, the first power that jumped out at you? Obviously these things evolve, but like, where did you start? What was the evolution uh, from the concept to issue one for you? Well, I guess uh, with the power of darkness to manipulate into like solid stabbing objects, like sharp claws extended out, like tendrils, wild tendrils flaying in the because he still can't control that power since he's so new to it. So that's why at times the tendrils like go up out in a certain way, trying to find out their surroundings, like Nick was saying earlier, trying to get information out of him as well. So, I remember the claws being yeah. the first thing that, that we really talked about, and everything just kind of snowballed from there. It's like, well, what if he had these? And what if he could do this? And Because I just had this image of these claws. Yeah. Just extended. Do you dive into the origin of the mask itself where the power comes from? Well, yes. Yes, and later on, you know, as you continue reading, you'll find out later on too. There is three <laughs> pages um, of backstory that we wrote mm -hmm. about where the mask came from, how it got to Earth, and how it ties into um, some of our other characters like Solaren Prime. Mm -hmm. So, um, you so 
you've got three out. What time level or timetable are you producing these at? Because, I mean, obviously comics take time. You've got to draw, got to get the line art. You've got to do the coloring. Um, like what, when did, so like the are you doing one year? year? What, what's your pace? We're getting faster. I'll, I'll, get, I'll tell everybody that. Cause when I tell yeah. you the time frame, you were like, man, these guys are slow as molasses, frozen molasses. <laughs> um, but we did have a pandemic. It did slow things down quite a bit. Um, yeah. So the first one came out this time, just this time frame in 2018. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the first one launched like October 5th of 2018 and we had it fulfilled by, I want to say April of 2019. So that was before it was drawn. You, you crowdfunded it in advance. Well, how we used to do it, we would, we would have at least five to six pages drawn um, and at least three pages fully colored and lettered ready to go um, to show that we are actively working on it. That's how Kickstarter used to work. Okay. Um, now, a lot of us doing crowdfunding, we want to make, we've learned from our mistakes because that book was supposed, the first one was supposed to come out months before it actually did. But I went through a company that was in China because it was cheaper, but I had to order like a thousand copies. Mm -hmm. So that took forever. Uh, didn't take long to get printed, but it sat in customs for months mm -hmm. on the, uh, the Chinese side and when it got here. So it sat in customs for months. Um, and then I decided I'm not doing that anymore. So, and I think the next Bengali two Kickstarter, which didn't, didn't fit, didn't make its uh, goal. Um, it is our first failure on crowdfunding. Um, our first and only failure so far, but, uh, that happened. What was that? 2020, 2019. It was, uh, yeah. 20, like late 2019. Yeah. Right. I, I try to keep it around the September timeframe because I look at it kind of like a, kind of like a spawn type book. So I, I like to keep it around Halloween season. It's like, Oh, my son or my nephew or whatever, or my niece, they're really into spawn. This guy says that it's kind of like spawn. So I'm going to get him this. Maybe they'll enjoy it. Hmm. So that it, it didn't make its, its goal. And I'm like, all right, fine. We'll just, We'll just print it ourselves. It's fine because the book was already done. It was already colored. Um, I figured that would be a big uh, selling point to customers. It's like, hey, you don't have to wait. As soon as it's done and we get the money, we're sending it to print. But it didn't make it school. So we decided to do it our, do it by ourselves. Like, we'll just print it and we'll sell it at conventions. And one day we'll have a website and we'll sell it on there, which we do now. And that's I'm pretty sure you can get issue two. I'm not entirely sure. If not, it'll be done within the next 24 hours. It'll be up there. Um, so really, it's it's actually not that bad as far as how long it takes us. Because issue three had been done, oh, not too long after issue two. As soon as issue two was print ready, um, Rich, the artist, was already working on issue three. And uh, so I just paid for that one out of at a company pocket instead of doing a crowdfunding. Um, and then I ran out of money to have it colored. Um, so I just kind of sat on it for a while until we could get back up and running after the pandemic, start doing conventions. Um, and it was what in July. I, I'm like, you know what? I found a good artist. He's got a low price point. Um, let's just knock it out. Cause I want this thing out by the, by, you know, the end of, 
within 2023. I want it out. So Michael Woods is the colorist on this and he did a fantastic job. He's done some pinups for me. Uh, we all kind of just agreed like, Hey, uh, why don't we just use this guy that's been doing the pinups? Cause he's really good. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So he was available and he got it done like within a week and a half. So I'm, I'm sure he drank a lot of coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, wonder so if it was okay. coffee brand coffee. I wonder <laughs> if it's coffee brand coffee. It's I, I think besides comp copies that I'm sending to him, um, I think I'm going to send him some of that coffee brand coffee too. It's like, here, man, because I know you're going to need either that or you're mixing with Red Bull or Monster or something. So, <laughs> uh, so when all the pages came in, I uh, I went and lettered it uh, about a month ago. I, I put all the thought balloons and captions and things like that on there because um, it it's something I wanted to learn how to do, and I've been doing it for a couple of our books, and I want to get better at it. Um, I haven't ha really had too many complaints. I've had a couple of suggestions, a couple of critiques, you know. Um, and then I started doing some some of my own research and studying on people that are letters that have kind of perfected their craft and so kind of take their examples. And uh, once it was all together, I was like, all right, well, it's time to get this thing funded, you know, because I want to print it, you know, instead of just doing a small print, print run like we usually do. Um, it's a way for us to expand our readership get more people involved in the company, more involved in some of our other characters. And, uh, and then we launched it. We launched it last Wednesday. Nice. So it'll have been out for a week when we, when this episode airs. So Renee, yes. are you, um, are you hard at work on episode four? Where are you with the writing of the series? No, oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hard at work already. I'm actually, I'm working on another series right now, Gordon Sparrow, which is another Apogee instant classic. Thumbs up. <laughs> they'll come out soon as well but yeah no already have what I if you, if you ever want to know what excellence in comics looks like top of the screen and that is their logo when you see that on comics you know it's quality that's it because we believe in quality over quantity so we um, we don't release a book unless we're fully uh, um, hold on ready to go let's see that again oh, hold on let's see that all right there, yeah, Vanna sure. White, Stad, Stad. Yeah, yeah. So so you've got issue four you're working on as, as well as another series for Apogee. Um, yes. So, yeah. so what's what, – I don't know what the timeline to write one of these things is like because obviously, you know, writing a book is a lot different. Um, so you're writing um, – when do you expect to have this to, to the – company to do to start with four like if someone reads this buys all three and they're like man i want more when can they expect four five twelve whatever well i guess um when it comes to finishing the script and all that i usually plot it out with nick i'm like okay i spit all ideas and from there we okay we can do this for this story we can include this for this story so i guess it'll take a, a couple of months depending okay. on yeah. Issue four, we could probably get done. The artwork should be done by like May of next year, mm -hmm. depending on how much time we actually get to actually. That's another trend in that. <laughs> okay. So obviously, there's a, a decent audience for crossovers from comics to actual stories. Um, is that something you guys are exploring with any of these um, properties to write like novelizations, either 
of the comics or in the world that this happens, but maybe different stories? Oh. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm actually, I, I do enjoy writing a step into the novelization of it. I would really enjoy dipping my toes in that, in that section of book writing. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you were going to add, like, so Bengali is its own thing, obviously. If you were going to borrow inspiration from any villain to throw up against him, what would it be? Because it's going to put you on the spot. And then how would you make it your own? Hmm. Any villain you want to as the base, which, which would you pick? Like, what's your ideal villain look like? My ideal villain for Bengali. Someone that can control. So he can't. someone that can control what? You're breaking up. Oh, someone that can control the light and not feed off. Like so, he won't feed from the darkness, so he can't access his power. Because okay. the more, more righteous light there is, the harder it is to control the mask. The weaker he. Gets. Okay. Yeah. So I, feel like I don't I know if there's anything like that out there, but that's a. Good. I mean, you know, people generally associate good with light, bad with dark, and you've already at this point inverted both. Yeah, it's we kind of wanted to tip the paradigm of that. Almost a uh, fallen concept. angel mm-hmm. would would do it. What a fallen angel! Yeah. If you were to ask me, the uh, the biggest villain for Bengali is also a hero within the Apogee universe, the Cardinal, mm-hmm. because he is born of light. The, from the first light, there's always been a cardinal. That's the uh, backstory with that book. Um, you could say that he was a, uh, a creation of heaven or however you want to. We, we never say in the book what religion it is, even though it does. There's a huge Catholic presence in there. Mm-hmm. So leave, leave it to the Catholic Church to be like, hey, this is a very powerful thing. We should figure out more about it and make it join our side. So... so- at that point, if both are good guys, why? Like, I can't imagine why they would want to fight then. Well, um, well, I mean, Crimson Guardians has been out for a while, uh, right around the same time as Bengali, and we did a uh, we did something for Free Comic Book Day called War Drums, and we're kind of it was our uh, roadmap to where we're going with all of these characters and how they're all going to meet up, and uh, Bengali's eventually, or something Bengali esque is going to be a major threat uh, to the planet. And uh, one one of the heroes is going to sacrifice himself to defeat him. So it was kind of us showing, like, we were teasing that it was going to be a big, like, grudge match between Cardinal and Bengali. Um, It's a head fake, if you're listening. I fooled you when we eventually get to that point, but it's going to be... Couple of years down the road, where you're not even remember this conversation, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, um, Bengali's not a traditional hero. I mean, someone you I mean, he's not even known as a hero in his own book. No, um, they keep they keep calling him the demon. They there's a fear campaign against him from the media. Uh, the police are have multiple task force, multiple law enforcement agencies are in this task force to take him down because of just he's gone after one of the uh, most reputable companies within San Diego, which is uh, V V Industries. Hmm. So he's not really categorized as a good guy. Uh, I don't even think he would call himself a good guy. Uh, the entity inside the mask definitely wouldn't. Hmm. 
So is this um, mask in keeping with like the movie The Mask with uh, what was that comedian that did it? Oh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Is it kind of like that, but like a grittier version of it? I would say it's similar. I think it's definitely an inspiration um, to where we were going with it. But instead of having the powers of like Loki, like in the mask where they were just imbued into the mask, um, the mask itself contains the entity. It, uh, it was disembodied by his superior um, and placed inside that mask. Um, really, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory because um, we're eventually going to get there in the next, I don't know, three to four issues. Um, so before the first light happened, before the Big Bang, you had uh, everything was in darkness, right? Depending on what religious tech to you. Well, just scientifically, the, the universe was a void. There was nothing there that we know of. Yeah. So in that darkness, there was beings and entities and things like that that were very powerful that lived in the darkness. So when the Big Bang happened, or as we refer to in Apogee, it was called the first light. As soon as the first light happened, it expelled all of those um, life forms to the darkest parts of the of the cosmos, right? And since the universe is constantly expanding, especially since that Big Bang, it set everything in motion. You had all these, you know, atomic explosions and mergers of material and materials were made, and then rocks started forming together, and you know, having magma core centers, and you have these planets, and then these planets start having um organisms that some of them advanced and created sublight travel or you know or faster than light speed travel um and we kind of go over this in uh solarum prime also since all these stories are interconnected um zedagoth was the main guy of the dark universe before the first light happened and he had was it six yeah six acolytes yes six acolytes that were just not as powerful as Zedekoth, but pretty close. Zedekoth can't go anywhere near the light or where the light has touched. It'll hurt him. So his whole thing is to destroy everything the light has touched and created. So anything that was a creation of, from the Big Bang, he wants to wipe it off. He wants to go back to zero. Mm -hmm. Wants to go back to the way things were where he was the big dog on the street. So these six acolytes start venturing out into the cosmos in, in a physical form. And they realize that they can, they can go to where the light touched. It doesn't hurt them. But they're also start conspiring to usurp uh, Zedagoth. And when Zedagoth finds out about it, he punishes them by disembodying them and placing them in their respective masks and then shooting them across the cosmos. Don't give it all away. That's just the backstory. <laughs> okay. But that's kind of where we're going. That's the base. That's the uh, the the base layer of where this all started and where we're going to. That will be introduced through the uh, subsequent issues. And we have a lot mass as well too. <laughs> so do you foresee like okay? So the ring, for instance, if we use Green Lantern as an issue, there is the Green Ring. But then we find out there are other rings. Are there other masks out there, or is this the only one? Five more. Mm -hmm. And those, I think the next issue of Solarum Prime. There's going to be a flashback of one of Solarum Prime's adventures before he comes back to Earth, where he runs into another one of these masks. Mm -hmm. Are they going to so be? So when he gets to Earth and he's, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to ask if they, if he was, they were going to be like color coded, or were they going to look more uniform? 
they'll look it'll be a different mask but it'll be it'll have the same design elements so he's not going to have the like if, when he goes and he runs into one of these other and they're not all bengalis bengali is bengali yeah so there's other masks that are very similar in design but they don't look anything like them you know they'll look like something indigenous to that planet. They're not going to have the same colors. Not going to have the same uh, patterns like the uh, the tiger stripes, like he has here. Um, so when Solarum Prime eventually gets back to Earth and he sees Bengali footage on the TV, he's going to make a a solemn oath to himself to eradicate that thing because he knows how dangerous they are. So how did so, he get the name Bengali? Um, we don't really say in the book. The way I. Uh, when me and uh, Renee were kind of doing our creative meetings and I'm like, Bengali, that's more of a, like an Indian word, like yeah. in India or, you know, the Bengali people. So what I'm thinking is since this mask has been around through millennia since it landed on earth, the Bengali people, um, and it'll be like a mistake of like just two people not being able to communicate or things like that. The people were trying to tell them who the, who he, people were trying to tell Bengali who they were. And it was a tribe of Bengali. Um, so when they say the word Bengali, he's like, oh, okay, that must be my name. Okay. So and it just kind of sticks. So Renee, when you had the mask pick him, was it pure happenstance, wrong place, right time kind of thing? Or were there, were there other reasons why the main character was picked to become Bengali. Uh, wrong place, right time, and actually kind of both because he, he was angry because all he, he knew he was tricked and all he wanted to do was, you know, he just wanted to attend that meeting, you know, to see what was all that about and finding out that he got killed and wanting to stop, you know, from anyone else getting hurt again and wanting vengeance for what happened to him. He was given in to that darkness, given into that rage that the mask was telling him that he had, that he could help them focus on getting his revenge. Okay. So what do you see? Like, okay, so is there weakness that Bengali would have by virtue of what kind of, um, what his power is? So for instance, uh, Superman has kryptonite. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a weakness to pizza. You know, like, are there... Uh, like things that he has a um, a weakness to? The righteous holy light, like a holy light. Because his, his power is his essence of, of darkness from evil, from chaos. And the righteous light, the bright light, but pretty much weakens him. And there are instances of those in our, in our other comic books um, that are righteous light or holy light, however you want to characterize it. But uh, um, the, I think the biggest thing that he's really encountering now as a weakness is his attachment to other people, like friends and loved ones. Because um, he works for the San Diego Police Department. He's a sketch artist for San Diego PD. Um, he does have a internal desire to protect innocence. So he'll fall for the, hey, if you come after me, I'm going to drop this rando citizen off a building. You know, that'll mess with him. That'll weaken him as far as like um, determination. Mm 
So he can take the mask off for like it's a, a suit he can take on and off or no, if he takes the mask off, uh, the suit retracts and he has no powers. And he becomes his regular human self. Yeah. But if he does that, can he, can is it like obviously he loses a superpower, but can he take it off to go about his day job and then put it back on when he wants the power? Yes. Or does, yes, yeah. Is and there a, how it ends up on his face? It's it's not Benito's choosing. It's usually the mask is the one that does it. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll probably encounter that in issue four, where the mask actually pops out some of the tentacles from the mask and like walks itself to mm-hmm. Benny when he's asleep. And then Benny's still going to be asleep and the mass is going to take over him. And then Bengali is, has, is on the host and just works his bot works his body, you know? So, and all Benny's going to have is really intense dream of what Bengali was actually doing hmm. while, while Benny was asleep. So is there the chance that the mask could bond to somebody else while he takes it off? It could. Yeah, they're, 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 very well, very well could. Those possibilities, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. actually uh, one of the underlying plots is uh, <laughs> um, Benito's brother trying to pull the mask and trying yeah. to get it to bond with him. Mm-hmm. So, if you were going to turn this into, you know, this the big screen, do you want it to be kind of cartoon? Uh, Esque style? Would you rather it be a live action? Dream big. I th- Budgets on a thing. I, I could see it as a as a you know a tentpole summer blockbuster, mm. um, but I could also see it as a long term comic book um, cartoon series, like they did with Spawn in the nineties. That's um, what I, th- I think. <laughs> you'd have probably a little bit more uh, creative options as far as uh, visual storytelling and the animated sense, but blockbuster superhero movie live action would wouldn't hurt it, it would still look cool uh, especially with the advancements of cgi technology so who would you say as a good actor to be benito slash bengali that's a good question <laughs> and would you be would you would you uh nick uh i think wood is woodard is the uh the comic uh what do you call it he did part of it too. I can't remember. What he said his title was the line art or something. Oh, uh, Michael Woods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would yeah. the three of you want like cameos in it if it went to the screen or voiceover cameos oh. if it went on TV? Absolutely, I want to be in this thing. Yeah. So would you be like random cop number one, two, and three? <laughs> uh, since I've let my physique kind of go, I think I would be old crusty detective number five. On your 12th divorce and, you know, angry. Oh, yeah. 12th divorce, <laughs> raging alcoholic. Well, the reason I, I thought that is ungroomed. as we were prepping for the show, I grabbed Renee's um, social medias and he has like a destroyer of donuts or something to that effect as part of his tagline. So I'm that, like, oh, random B-top number 12. <laughs> well, I mean, even Rob Liefeld got a cameo in Deadpool and like, it's like, and Deadpool's telling him to F off. Uh, F you, Lightfield. You know, I want something like that. I want something where I'm I'm not treated with respect in the movie as one of the creators. I want to be treated with the utmost disrespect, where they call me Detective Shithead and Destroyer of Donuts. Once you get off your ass and go do. But would you want to? Would you guys want to be there as Renee and Nick, or would you want to be there just random like insert name? It doesn't matter. Like 
cameo as yourself or just a cameo I appearance? I, I don't think I care either way. No, no. As long as I'm in it. I'm going to start putting cameos of us in the book anyway, like in the comic form. <laughs> just random like destruction. We're like, oh. <laughs> so you're going to tuckerize your, yourselves in the in the comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Renee could be having like uh, some barroco or something, and I'll be over yeah. there with like an In-N-Out burger. I'll be one of the interviewee guys that's like slamming Bengali in the media. That guy destroyed my car. <laughs> or it's me and him running from destruction, both with like cervezas in our hands and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got to have your priorities. Oh, yeah. So you would you drink a would you drink a beer a cerveza with Benito? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, Marissa. I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? Oh, well, let me turn my mic off. Babe. Um, I recently read um a like a a behind the scenes thing that one of the original writers or original actors or something from Jurassic Park was the, the it was the writer was in Jurassic World and he was the guy running with two margaritas that left his no, family. That's, that's the Margaritaville guy. Oh, it was Jimmy oh, Buffett? That was him? He's, just, he's yeah. running with two margaritas. He left two his margaritas. family and he's just <laughs> running with well, the You've got to have priorities. And I'm really you... like, this whole time I was like, I'm with that guy. There's dinosaurs coming. I want to be drunk. I don't want to feel anything. <laughs> So that reminds me of the first time I went camping, uh, well, hunting actually with my with my stepdad and and a friend of his, and they told me that uh, that my job if the bear attacks the camp because you know I was very paranoid that bears because you know Yogi were going to actually attack us, and he goes well, just so you know Jr. I can have more sons. I cannot get this coffee pot replaced because it's the old cast iron style, you know, the blue enamel with the white like polka dot. He's like, so save the coffee pot. I can have more kids. <laughs> right. I can have more kids. Well, I can't, but. <laughs> so I can see Marissa be like, uh, I can always clone some more kids, but I mean, this margarita ain't going to drink itself. <laughs> I tell Kanan all the time if we come across a black bear, because you know this is California, like if we come across the bear, I don't have to outrun the bear, Kanan. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> That's true. And and a, a, slash, like, a slash across the Achilles tendon, and man, they they mm, slow down <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Just need okay. that's why you always carry a stick so you can just whack him in the back of the leg. Ow, why'd you do <laughs> yeah. that? And the bear gets him. So what about you? What about what about you, Nick? Would you uh, would you have a would you have a drink with uh, with old Benito? Yeah, um, I think we'd probably have some tequila. <laughs> you know, not to be like racially stereotyping him, but. Um, he can have tequila or beer or whatever, um, and I'll have an old-fashioned. But, yeah, I'd definitely kick down some drinks with Benito. He's a cool so, dude. He's an artist. We can talk shop. So where is this story set? We didn't ask that. But So what is the setting? San is Diego. it set in California? Oh, it's in San Diego. It's in the, the demon of San Diego, yeah. Uh, so, so it's in San Diego, Texas, but it's uh, – Well, I knew that, and I know you're from Texas, so I didn't assume. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so what uh, what kind of iconic uh, San Diego locations do we get to see throughout the comic? I mean, are there like, you know, this is the really famous taco truck over on the corner of whatever and whatever, or or what? Like, what kind of iconic San Diego things do we get to see? So here's the cool thing: is um, with me being from Las Vegas, I absolutely love being out here by the beach, and 
after reading through the Bengali comics and everything, and when we go out on date nights, there's we'll see random buildings or we'll be on one side of the bay or the other side of the bay. And I'm like, hey, isn't that from issue one? Isn't that from issue two? And you see these, these iconic buildings that have these special shapes that, you know, really bring you in, including all the way down to the Comic-Con convention um, center. You can't miss the shape of that sucker. But, um, like, he'll be, we'll be just on a date night and I'll look up and I'll be like, huh, I think I know that from somewhere. So, I, I, I have no, you know, writing or drawing in, I have no hands in this, but I can say that, you know, I, I can see it. I can see what they were going for. I can see the buildings. And I'm like, hey, I know that building. So you, you, you manage the back end. So we, I don't know, you could probably have a cool title, <laughs> like executive vice president of shipping in, or something. I don't know. <laughs> Chief of Operations. Chief, Chief of Operations. There we go. Chief of Ops. Except in the videos. In the videos, he has me, Madam Stabby Stab, as executive producer. I dig that. So, so Renee, is your wife also an executive um, boss you around um, affiliate of the Apogee Comics? <laughs> uh, no, but she, she loves uh, promoting us. She loves backing us and supporting us in any way that she can. Okay. Okay. We'll have to give her a title like Chief of Marketing or something like that. Yeah, you guys or titles are everything. Chicks dig titles, I'm told. Chief of Fan Relations. Fo follow me for more marketing and family advice. Chicks dig right. titles. Yeah. Chicks dig <laughs> titles. You should write a book, sell it for like yeah. bucks. Hey, uh, I'm just, I get bored at Comic Cons and I want to go wander and check things out and I bring people back to the table. She will stay at the table. <laughs> okay. Help sell it while I'm just bringing people back. Yeah, she's she's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Switch, yeah. Can you switch to the uh, shared screen that I have real quick, Jr. Yeah. Um, hold on. Uh, help, help me answer your question. Okay, so that building right there is a place in downtown San Diego. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a very prominent building. It's the only one like it downtown. Um, nice. I think it's like right next to like a couple of the hotels. There's a lot of hotels along the waterfront. So it's not like New York where you got all these crazy buildings or Chicago where you have like Sears tower and things like that. Um, San Diego's main industry is tourism. So a lot of these are like hotels, a couple of business buildings, things like that. Actually, I think this building's in the gas lamp, gas lamp quarter. Um, but I'm constantly taking pictures while I'm, cause we go downtown quite a bit for baseball games or festivals, things like that. So I'm always taking pictures. And she's like, are you trying to take a picture of me? And I'm like, nah, just really cool building. And I like the way we're kind of angled. And I take a picture of it. So I have a huge photo morgue of downtown San Diego. And now you've been um, clocked by the FBI as potential terrorists with the camera on all their like. Oh, yeah. Feeds. Cop coming up like, hey, what are you doing here? This is Point Loma. This is a Navy base. And I'm like, I'm taking pictures from my comic book. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness, after the first year of, of, you know, like, what the hell are you taking pictures of? I have become the same thing. I, um, I had jury duty and I was, we were out on a break and I was like, that's a badass building. Let me get this from a better angle. And I started taking pictures of buildings from the 
courthouse. Well, the cool thing is, them to him. the cool thing is, if you go anywhere, like, oh, there's this restaurant. I've really wanted to try it. Huh? Let me take pictures and include it in a comic book. And now it's a tax write-off. Right. Honestly, that's the reason we ate a dead taco truck, or uh, what's the other one you talk about? There, you got all the cool food trucks out there. We we don't got nothing. Oh, that we got. There's some great food in um, in dogs. San Diego. Tijuana dogs right outside of the stadium. Um, like I don't eat during the game, so I can get a Tijuana dog outside by like the dirtiest food cart you've ever seen. But you know it adds to the flavor. So, so yeah, that's the trick is you just got to start including that in the books, Renee, and then you can make that all tax deductible. Oh, now yeah. Renee, are you are you in San Diego as well? No, actually, I'm from Texas, South Texas. So, is there any uh, any chance of Bengali travel to your neck of the woods so you can get some some sweet sweet tax write offs too? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some building breakouts. Who knows? You have to stay tuned for that story. <laughs> he's got to go out to San Antonio and have a fight on top of the Alamo. Yeah, Dude, that'd be kind of cool. I would love for because we, I'm San Diego's home of uh, the Pacific Fleet or part of the Pacific Fleet. So, and we have two or three submarines that are stationed here. I would love to have a fight scene because I would love to draw this so bad. Um, a fight scene on top of a sub <laughs> as it's like going out of the bay. So I, I, I go to like that down periscope where they're like playing golf on the top. You could do one of those scenes. <laughs> yeah, and then Bengali jumps on there, and they're like, "Oh crap, we got to get back inside." But they're watching the fight through the periscope. Oh, that would be awesome! I would draw the <laughs> hell out of that. <laughs> okay, okay. So, is there anything about the the crowdfunding, the fund my comics that we didn't talk about that you you think the listeners should know? Um, I think you should be checking every two to three days. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be adding some tiers, some reward tiers, as I think of them, because. Uh, People love to give you suggestions, and you're like, "Oh, wow, that's awesome! I can't believe I didn't think of that before." And put it in there. Uh, that's how the T-shirt happened. Oh, so uh, there is merch. I was going to ask for that. Is there merch? Yeah, there's, there's merch. Okay. There's we, merch. Um, um, we designed hats. Did hats, watch bands, uh, a hoodie, a couple of hoodies. Deck. Uh, what? The skateboard deck. Oh, I just ordered a skateboard deck. Well, two of them. One with Bengali and one with Phantom bands. Hawk on it. Um, so the skateboard deck might be a limited tier, like maybe, I don't know, like five, maybe 10 that can pack it. Um, what about phone I, cases? People like phone cases. Phone cases. Yeah. I, I can whip that up right now and have it on there by tomorrow. We also um, did um, leggings. We did leggings. I didn't, there's not a Bengali legging, but there's a Cardinal legging and a Corbin Sparrow leggings for, for the ladies. So does Apogee um, have any female uh, superheroes in the in the roundout? Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me let me get rid of this, and we'll switch it to this because I love the ladies of Apogee. Do you love the ladies? We we have multiple. I just I feel weird trying to write female characters because I'm not a woman, and I think I'd screw it up. Mm. But so why isn't so, Scabby working for you? Uh, last I heard, she was a lady. She her. is. Um, but I, I don't think she's started delved into writing yet. So this is Corvid and Sparrow. Can you zoom there in are... so we can see? Oh, uh, yeah. Hold on. I think I can zoom in. Can I? I don't think I can because it's on my Facebook. Okay. Well, it's a cool picture. So who are the who are we looking at? It's two ladies. I can see that. Okay. 
Renee, you want to go into this? He's helping well, develop these characters. <laughs> well, the one on top with the sword, her name's Corvid. And the one on the bottom, Sparrow. And the one that's looking at him is one of their deadliest villains they have named Bloodfeather. Okay. Yeah. The story behind them is that uh, Corvid was part of a uh, an ancient society. Uh, they're, they're watchers. Um, it's called the Aviary. Um, their rankings are based on birds. Um, and the higher you go up into the uh, the chain of command, you start going from just you, you go more into like the raptors, like eagles, falcons, things like that. So it started in the Middle East, you know, because you know the Fertile Crescent—that's where humanity pretty much started. And eventually, it found its way to the New World in uh, the Sinaloa Mountains of Mexico. And Corvid, as a child, was adopted into this um, secret society. Because uh, the secret society was doing some naughty things. They started going from, hey, we just want to collect and maintain and protect the collective knowledge of all human knowledge, you know, all human history. So every, aliens, everything that a human being has ever encountered has been cataloged and, and uh, studied, referenced, things like that. So they have a huge library. So for book nerds, you would love to go inside the aviary's library. Because you're talking first editions of the Bible and stuff, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. An ancient text. So eventually, she would, gets put onto a, a protection detail for um, the son of a high-ranking member of the aviary, and he ends up getting assassinated. So they kick her out of the order, but she is a uh, she's devout. Whether she's in the order or not, her she's always on mission. So uh, she ends up running into a, a cult that had kidnapped uh, Sparrow down here outside of Oxford because uh, she was going to school there and Corvid was uh, in disguise as a professor, which she could easily pick up uh, being a teacher anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, but she was tracking down this cult and, uh, and that's how those two met. And then there was some unfortunate events on for Sparrow and was begging, uh, Gabriella Corvid here to uh, to train her, and that starts their adventure. Okay, so back to uh, Bengali. So, are all the IPG universes interlocked? Yeah, it's a um, it's a shared universe. Yes. Okay, so if people wanted to know more about the universe, where could they go? Because you know we're we're right. sitting at an hour and a half, so we're we're gonna be wrapping this up soon. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Man, even my even my own interview, I went long. Um, yeah, you can see us at uh, appgcomics.com. Um, so, you, give you- so you have an overview about the various comics and, and so they can know where to start. Is there a suggested reading order or does each sort of arc stand alone? The way we did it is that if you want to go in chronological order, you'd start off with uh, Bengali. Is there a, um, a suggested reading order for people that are purists that way? I don't think so, because eventually they all turn into seven, six degrees of Kevin Bacon and interlock with each other. Um, yeah. I think if you really wanted a, a good, and it's only an eight-page comic, we did it for free comic book day, and I got to put it up on the website, but it's called War Drums, and it is a very quick reference of the universe and how these and it's all told through the eyes of Phantom Hawk, which I kind of use him as our everyman. He's the only one that doesn't have superpowers. So it's kind of like the bat. He's the Batman of the universe. He's poor man's Batman. So you're seeing everything through this 
you know, soldier's eyes and how he encountered all of these different characters and how eventually they're, they're all going to team up to, to face Zedagoth or his uh, avatar. Now, when you said a, a poor man's Batman, does that mean he's like driving a jalopy or something like beating down Ford Ranchero instead of the Batmobile? Like, what are we talking about here? Well, um, cause he was a special forces soldier. He stole a prototype um, glider. It's kind of like a motorcycle with wings. Um, okay. So he stole one of those. It's beat to hell because he pulled it out of the building that got blown up with that he was in. Yeah. So a lot of stuff he, because he was an 18 Echo, that's a communication sergeant. So he's really good with technology. And he was already kind of a gearhead growing up. He liked, you know, tinkering with machines, cars, motorcycles, things like that. So he was able to get the dang thing to work. Um, so he uses retro tech, disabled tech, and he puts it back together for his for whatever use he needs. Okay. I just call him the poor man's Batman because he has cool weapons, but they're uh, you can tell they're, you know, do it yourself. <laughs> you know, if the ones that he's had to build, he he does take like guns and knives and stuff off of uh, like mafiosos and cartel guys that he encounters, but mostly it's him building his own his own tech, his own stuff. And he has like no money, like zero. <laughs> okay. So the uh, when does the uh, crowdfunding, the GoFundMy comic um, for Bengali issue three, when does that run through? It started on Wednesday, which I believe was the 20th. And it's it'll run all the way to October 20th at 11.59 Pacific time, p.m. Okay. So yeah, 27 days. If, uh, if someone backs it because they want to make sure they get it in and then they decide with, because I don't know how this crowdfunding site works, but if they decide that, you know what, I'm really picking up what they're putting down or I like this new additional level, can they go in and increase their order? Yeah, you can You can alter your pledge or reward at any time. You can pull it if you want to. Um, like maybe you just didn't budget for a comic book. You know, it happens. I've done it. Um, or you saw something that enticed you even more then you can, I don't know if there's an add-on section. I don't think there is. So you can cancel your pledge and then re-pledge at the higher tier or whatever tier that you that you really liked as the tiers start uh, increasing. And so there is a graphic or what do you call it, a digital-only tier, um, and then it goes up from there. Yeah. Um, now, we, we learned it hasn't aired yet, but when we interviewed Carissa with hers, that you have like all, all the way from – you know, shiny covers to actual metal covers. So what, what do you see the limit for you guys as you evolve this? Assuming you get the base um, funding. Um, I don't know if we'll start doing foil covers or metal covers. Um, it's something that we used to offer in previous crowdfundings and it just got too, too much to track. Um, Cause I'd have to do a print run of like 10 metal covers where, which is, which means I have to charge you more, which I don't want to do um, because for that limited a run, the price goes way up as far as getting a, a copy of it. Mm -hmm. So I usually just try to stick to a standard comic book cover. Um, but so, if this thing does really well, I have no problem start introducing those foil covers. Now this people might find this episode, I don't know, next year, or the year after where this is, campaign has already ended so is this something that once it's funded 
Um, they they can get later. Um, obviously, you know, if you're listening to it while it's live, funding it is the way to help ensure it happens. But assuming, yeah. you know, sometimes we get people find episodes from three years ago and they're just now commenting and listening. So if they find this later and they didn't back it in time, can will they right. be able to get it from your website? Yes. Mm-hmm. Usually I'll, okay. I'll wait after everything's fulfilled to the backers. And then after that, I'll introduce it to the website and it'll be linked there. Um, for you to do just a, a point of sale right there on the website. And then we usually ship out within 24 hours. So when we talked about to that, we were going to be doing some comic book interviews. We did have one of the listeners had a question. Uh, he had said he was, had a friend of his that had a classic like print of one of the comics he loved. I think it was Superman, but it was one of the original printouts hand drawn and then signed. Is that the kind of stuff you guys could do like a, a printout uh, or, uh, you know, we can one do of the sketch. Well, I don't know That's what those big, are. Um, the sketch cover is it'll be a full color interior comic book. It'll, everything from the color version to a sketch cover version will have the same stuff inside. Mm-hmm. So okay. twenty four pages of twenty two to twenty four pages of colored artwork fully done. Uh, sketch cover is done on a special, almost like a drawing paper. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more coarse, and it's kind of a big thing right now at conventions. They'll go to their favorite artist that worked on that book, and then pay them money to do a sketch on there and then they'll have their prices for, you know, options, whatnot. So is that so, kind of more personalized stuff available? If they wanted a signed copy, they could like a signed sheet they could frame and put in their office kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually I'm, I'm going to try and add that to your now. I forgot about the sketch cover. He, I didn't, I didn't know the right words, but he just said it was like a, an image from the comic that had been printed out and then signed. I don't know if it was hand drawn. Oh, a print signed. Yeah, those like are like with love or whatever. Yeah, little prints. Um, take like a, a page or the co- uh, the cover, turning into like a little mini poster. You just take off like the uh, barcodes and yeah, you know, the put on there. You just leave the masthead in the image, and then you can print those out like by eight by ten, as large as eleven by seventeen, sometimes even larger, and. uh, Usually, like when I, what we do when we're at cons, we'll have some of those available, and then you don't, we don't even charge for the signature. It's like ten dollars for the print, and then we'll sign it. Cool, cool. So uh, now that we're we're wrapping this up, so Stabby, while we were talking, um, if you saw her running around, uh, apparently her neighbors are having a huge party, so she had to tell them, you know, if they didn't stop, she was going to stab them. Mm-hmm. It was a whole thing. Right. And so we had to mute her because like we didn't want to lose the family friendly rating. But in between, like often a few of the neighbors, because, you know, they had it coming. Right. Um, That should be a justifiable legal defense. They had it coming. I mean, in Texas, it is. Right. He looked at me funny. He had it coming. Oh, okay, Oh, we totally understand, Mr. Garber. Um, But (laughs) but she did find some of the art uh, from this uh, from this coffee brand coffee. So we've got the logo, which which I had found. But she actually found some of the art from the from the website. So if you go to the link in the show notes, you can find they have K-Cups. They have regular uh, ground and unground. Um, so you, you can grind it yourself. Uh, they sell candies, coffee, um, teas. Oh, my God. Chocolate. Uh, and so uh, if you want to support the link is in the show notes, uh, and then the discount code is podcast grunts, all one word. 
Uh, I do not think it is case sensitive, but P and the G are capitalized because, you know, we're civilized and all. Uh, and like we could, we learned to read and write at the NCO Academy. Uh, and we, we weren't Marines, so they even taught us with pen and paper. We didn't use crowns or nothing. Uh, so if you want to support the fairness, show. In all fairness, I didn't have to actually go and like stab any neighbors. Actually, so you're the, the dad now. Well, the dad is deployed, so I had to go tell his daughters to respect their mama because dad's deployed. So, you know, I, I had to go help the, the other the other military mama put put the kids in line. I'll put the fear of God into him. I appreciate your service, ma'am. Um, so, uh, yeah, so if you want to support us, links are in the show notes. It really does help. Everything helps. There is overhead that we pay annually for StreamYards, for the hosting site for the program I have to renew, the Wondershare, which is how we edit when we need to. And full disclosure, you guys seem to enjoy our bloopers, so we don't edit those out. But there are times where, you know, the guest has some their kid walk in. And I don't know if you realize this, but the laws in Europe affect YouTube. So YouTube enforces them on us. And if the kids come in, it becomes under the weird European code, which means they can't, like, make ads. They can't um, put it out there, which means they basically shadow ban it but it's not really as a punishment it's just following the european like eu laws and so like sometimes that happens even with stabby's kid where we've got a you know pop over to the cutout screen or whatever and that that program isn't free unfortunately they're they're good capitalists just like we are so you know every little bit helps and if you want to do that while drinking delicious coffee and we did sample it before we recommended it because we won't shill for what we don't believe in uh, if you want to help support the show, other ways to do it uh, also as direct is to support us by buying our comics in Nick's case uh, or, or my books, um, because all of that does help. Um, and if you don't read the kind of stuff we write, but you enjoy the podcast, buy them and give them to a friend. Nick doesn't mind if you buy his comics and give them to friends or another popular thing. I've seen another comic book creator that we interviewed uh, when we were still sci-fi shenanigans people would buy his comics because it was a tier option where they don't read comics but they wanted to support a veteran and then it, those x number of comics get donated to like deployed veterans or vfws or not vfws va hospitals that kind of thing like those are all options too yeah we do that on this campaign you can just donate and whatever amount of money that you donate to the campaign without getting a physical reward or digital reward we will equate that to whatever physical reward and we will donate that to a veterans organization so you can you can support the show that way as well. All ways are uh, enjoyable. If you enjoy what we're doing, you want to help us out, we greatly appreciate it. Another way is to hit that like, subscribe, and follow button. Uh, we're supposed to be telling you that all the time, according to the YouTube people who reach out to us. I'm like, hey, what the heck's wrong with you? Why don't you tell people this? Like, yeah, we just get nerdy and we forget. So uh, with that being said, uh, Renee, where can they find you on the Wild Wilder in interwebs if they want to stalk you? And fair warning, people, he does live in Texas. Everyone has guns. I wouldn't suggest showing up to his house. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't stalk him. <laughs> well, like, they can follow me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs> okay, and all those links will be in the show notes. It's helpful that he just used his name, Renee Garza. I mean, it made it really easy to find him. Um, so he's not exactly hiding. No wit sec for this guy. Uh, and Nick, since you were on as guest and not host today, how can listeners find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs? Well, you can find me on the uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Nick Garber Art. Um, you can follow the company on Twi X. I keep forgetting that it's oh X yeah, now. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Instagram 
at at Apogee Comics. Okay, and uh, if you didn't know, when he's writing the wordly words, because we've co-written some short stuff together, he's on the Amazons as Nicholas Garber, because that's more professional and stuff. Yeah. So, so he puts on a monocle when he uses Nicholas as his, uh, his moniker. He's got a monocle that he hides. Oh, are you going to actually exactly. put it on? No, the monocle looks yeah, Where did it go? No, you had the monocle and the Monopoly hat last time. What happened? Um... With did this the economy, I had to sell them. Back? Is that what happened? There's too too high maintenance. I, I had to sell them for groceries. <laughs> okay. that's, that's fair. Groceries are expensive these days. Uh, and so I'm about to remind you, dear listener, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books or comics. So do your part, people. And speaking of doing your part, uh, I have never asked this question of people who do comics. So I'm going to ask you, Nick and Renee. How do people review your comics if they're buying it on crowdfunding or in comic book shops where they might not have review places? Oh, there's multiple platforms for that. Uh, usually they'll just go on there and scream at us on Twitter. Um, there's, a lot of review sites. there's a lot of review sites out there on, on the interwebs, on the social media platforms. Um, all you got to do is like put in the hashtag. Usually it's like comic reviews and it'll pop up. Um, we haven't submitted any for review. We've gotten some unsolicited reviews, which is fine. They, they were all positive, so we appreciate that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once it's out there and people have bought it or read it, um, everybody in the internet, if they feel they need to, they'll they'll review it and post it. I like okay. yelling at them on Instagram. Yeah, so if you want to yell at people on Instagram, uh, you could tell uh, Madam Stabby over there on the Instagrams or the Twitters about how she was wrong and Sparkle Girl Horse Puppies are very awesome and uh, and that she should write one for, for Apogee Comics. I didn't say that they were bad. Mm, okay, well, that is awesome. Then you don't need to stab. You could like commiserate together and maybe together a, a beautiful union of creativity will be formed and that'll be the next big blockbuster. We never know. It all starts when you reach out. And uh, speaking of reaching out, you can find us on our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. We link to all the things, the bitch shoot, the rumble, the Twitters. We have the email link, podcast at gmail.com. We have our Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen, uh, slash groups, slash Blasters Blade podcast. You can comment on the show there or just talk to us or add us. We don't mind. Um, we have our website where you could support the show more directly at anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades. Wherefore, as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the light on. Or if you do, you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated with only the best coffee brand, Coffee Java, uh, that money can buy. Um, and they don't give us a discount. So we pay for it just like you do, people, but it's delicious. Uh, so be sure to support, and we really appreciate it. And with that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And if you've noticed, we uh, accidentally recorded too many episodes for season three, so you're going to be getting some three a week. So I don't know how that happened, but basically Nick and uh, Stabby and I have no lives, so we're like, this sounds like fun. Uh, we're too poor to shop, so let's talk. And episodes were born. And you should be thankful. So, all right. With that said, 
we're going to end the show with reminding you to drink some coffee brand coffee.